years of gratitude newsletter, podcasts, and videos on the Substack platform. My name is Fia Kushi. For more information about me, Tears of Gratitude, and this broadcast, visit me at fia.substack.com. That's spelled P like Peter, H-I-Y-A dot substack dot com. Again, that's P-H-I-Y-A dot substack dot com. Thank you for joining me today. Tears of Gratitude podcast, episode 2, December 23, 2022. Jacques Delongre on the Order of the Universe. This is the first of three audio recordings done by Jacques Delongre in the 1960s. Jacques and his wife, Yvette, were students of Marguerite founder George Asawa and were friends and colleagues of my parents, Micho and Aveline Cushy. For a complete bio on Jacques Delongre, please visit the Celtic Sea Salt website, a company that he founded. What follows is a recording of Jacques Delongre giving a very clear and concise 15-minute audio presentation and description of the order of the universe and the basic principles and ideas behind microwetic philosophy. Sit back and relax and enjoy. Tape 1 of The Order of the Universe Practical Philosophy for the Modern Times There's no question that philosophy is in, but is there one universal and universally satisfying philosophy for modern men? There is a reward out for listening to this program, and while it's possible to cash it in right away, let us say that life is like a poor country inn. You only find there what you actually bring in with you. But in 15 minutes, I will give you a list of seven conditions of health and an introduction to an interesting adventure. Philosophy for Moderns A definition of a practical and purposeful philosophy for modern people would be the pursuit of the knowledge of things and the search for rules for the conduct of life. Breaking down this definition, we find that pursuit is still very much in today's character of men, and that knowledge, or acquiring knowledge, on a cosmos-wide scale, cosmological, astrological, metaphysical, dialectical, ecological, material, is also still a very popular occupation with all of us here on this planet. So to satisfy man's yearnings, a knowledge should be accessible, available, and it should also satisfy the searcher, making him feel that he has acquired worthwhile knowledge. The second half of our definition of a philosophy for modern, the search for rules for the conduct of life, doesn't need elaboration. We are faced with this problem at all times, and much of the world gropes for a workable solution. From the remote ages of antiquity, a remarkable teaching has existed, ageless in wisdom, seldom expressed today, misquoted when transcribed, but universal and timeless in its application. This teaching, this way of the human mind, was so widespread at one time in the world and resurfaced so often in the history of man that it not only has many surnames, but that it also, quite often, comes up in garbled tones. To study and to practice this principle is to reawaken, within the heart, body and mind of every man, an instinctually 
satisfying knowledge that can solve his own problem and that of the world. This teaching has suddenly acquired such widespread interest and attracted so many searchers today that study groups and communities of practicing students have sprung up in many places. Why this reappearance? Why this renewal of curiosity and why such earnest application? Is it because it fills a void, because it is time, or because it is a cycle? Does this practical philosophy really offers workable solutions? Many of us think so, and all of us wish to share this teaching with all. Our discovery is a way of life, a rebirth of our trust in nature, in our environment, and a renewal of trust in the nature of man. Our methods are based on common sense, simplicity, and ecology, but an ecology that would begin at the grassroot. By taking a hard look at the relationship of man with the soil, and by the common sense observation that all living organisms transmute or derive their primary energy from the soil's vegetation. Our teaching also stemmed from reverence for the earth and its products. If man is to live in harmony with the universe, then man should eat of what is surrounding him naturally. In other words, ecology starts with the belly. Without nourishing the body, no life is possible. Mineral salts, vegetable, blood, bones, we all come and we are able to create, breathe and love, serve God, and we are responsible of the foundation of our life. We are the artist. The choice of our food is essential. We must be particular, exacting on that. What should we eat? Ecology teaches us that the choice of our food is essential and that for economy, a crucial point in ecology, we should partake of the kind of food that is most plentiful, most easily grown, most readily stored, and food that retain its life factors for a long duration. Also, this basic food should be grown in the immediate area where consumed, also based on the same economy of ecology. How should we eat? Meal is an occasion for satisfying not only hunger, but also, usually, the sensory taste without regard for the consequence. Everywhere, eating is a pleasure where one drinks and eats too much. Often we sit down at the table mechanically because we're called or because it is time. We swallow food without hunger and without thinking. Taking nourishment is a vital act and a sacred one. Food ought to be taken with gratitude, in utmost calm, with joyous thankfulness. We should be attentive. In other times and in other places, men have had and still have attitude of respect for their food. Country people, farmers who understand intuitively the importance of good food and the proper food, still carry on the act of eating with the attention it deserves. I hope that you have noticed that what we've just outlined fulfills our search for rules for the conduct of life. The next rule we obey is that of economy of life. We avoid uneconomical part food and stress whole food. For to keep our body and our mind whole and united, we should consume whole food. How well do we follow this economy of life today?
In America, we have 6% of the world's population, but we devour 35% of the world's production of raw material. Half of U.S. farmlands, the majority of its farmer, a considerable fraction of its food processors and distributors are wholly occupied in supplying the country's meat. 600 million acres devoted to maintain 160 million heads of cattle, sheep, swine, but the human population is only 40 per square miles. Even under good management, six times as much land is required to produce meat as would be necessary for the same amount of food taken directly into man's diet from the plant. A third example of poor economy of life thinking is today's big waste of human resources by unnecessary illnesses. If a man is ill, it is his own fault. Our dynamic and practical philosophy gives us back the intuitive knowledge of what causes illnesses and unbalances. And we have learned the wisdom of preventing diseases, of taking care effectively of small ills before they become big chronic troubles. Our beliefs are that there are no incurable diseases, but only incurable minds of certain men, and that prevention is the best cure. Effective prevention of illness is obtained by understanding and living in the harmony of the universe. The father of present-day modern medicine, the man whose code of ethics is still expressed at commencement exercises, had this philosophy regarding his art. His art. Hippocratic code of ethics was a solemn oath of medical commencement a sense of duty to mankind. 400 years before Christ, the basic of medicine theory developed, laid special stress upon attention to regimen and diet. Hippocrates applied logic and reason to medicine. He showed that disease had only natural causes. Our natures are the physicians of our diseases. Hippocrates treated his patients with proper diet, fresh air, change in climate, and advocated attention to habits and living condition. His favorite diet for sick people was barley gruel. To him, the goal of the physician was the care and the cure of the patients. If you wish to catch a glimpse of true freedom from disease, if you wish to uh, obtain happiness and justice, give up everything that is not absolutely necessary to your life for at least a week or two. True fasting is just that, not a detachment from all food, but a strict and fast attachment to that which is absolutely necessary to sustain life. This decomplicated way of living yields true independence and harmony with the universe. Attach yourself to air, water and light and soil, and that which they synthesize, the cereals. Consuming cereals, altered by fire and salt, is the most fundamental basis of man's existence. This combination distinguishes mankind from all other living things. Having rediscovered this vital fact, man finds the simple answer to his search for well-being. And now, since I promise you a reward for listening, and our time is almost up, here are seven conditions that man should fulfill 
if he is to achieve health and happiness. You can grade yourself on this test. Number one, you should never feel tired or if you say during the day to yourself, oh, I could never do this, or it is too hard, you are showing the extent of your fatigue. If you are really in good health, you can always overcome obstacles and difficulties and enjoy the challenges and look forward to tougher ones ahead. Fatigue is really the basic cause of illness and unhappiness, but it can be eradicated very easily by your own efforts in the understanding of the ancient teaching. Number two, can you eat a very simple natural food and eat it with good appetite? Can you also feel the deep gratitude for its creator as you consume it? If a dry piece of wholesome dark bread makes your mouth water, then this good appetite is the true health itself. Number three, do you talk in your sleep or sometimes have dreams and by sleeping fitfully wake up tired? Furthermore, are you able to lay your head on the pillow and fall asleep at will every night? Our way of life gives us restful sleep and six hours of it are sufficient to completely restore our mind and body. We also wake up automatically at a predetermined hour, usually 6 a.m., without fail. Number four, remembering whatever you see or hear and increasing this ability as you grow older is what makes our personality. Without memory, we cannot have good judging ability and we make very bad decisions. Living in harmony restores the good memory to anyone very rapidly. Number five, do you get angry? A person in good health lives without fear or impatience and no circumstance can make him lose his joyful disposition. Such a person speaks and acts in a manner that creates friends all around him. He makes true friends in all walks of life, friends that he helps without a second hesitation and without a thought of repayment. His state of health is measured by the number of friends he possesses and by his proverbial good humor. Number six, how fast do you think, judge, or make the only correct decision? Fast reaction is the expression of true freedom. When a man is quick and precise and answers any and all challenges, his real state of health is displayed. His ability to organize and keep order in his life and possessions is a further proof of his unerring quick wit and wisdom. Number seven, look for more than your share of responsibility. Distribute your acquired happiness to the world. By loving everyone, by changing hate into happiness, hopeless people into builders, by telling the truth, being precise, solving all problems with quick efficiency. Do you meet these seven conditions? Not many people do today. So don't despair, but you don't need to keep falling in the same pits. If you're impatient and have a goal in life, if you're concerned with your friends and feel a responsibility toward that part of mankind that has become unhappy or doing wrong or doing too little, and if you feel an even greater responsibility toward the millions of brothers yet to be born, the children of today must be our total concern for there are only future mankind and our common responsibility. But any change you want to make must begin with changing yourself first. And that is up to you.
You have been listening to the Tears of Gratitude newsletter, podcast, and videos on the Substack platform. My name is Fia Kushi. For more information about me, Tears of Gratitude, and this broadcast, visit me at fia.substack.com. That's spelt P like Peter, H-I-Y-A dot substack.com. Again, that's P-H-I-Y-A dot substack.com. Thank you for joining me.